0: take it from the top. Take one. This is Within. Shifting the conversation on who is in prison.
1: Recording Within three prisons across the Colorado Department of Corrections.
2: Denver Women's
0: Correctional Facility. Sterling Correctional Facility. Denver
3: Reception and Diagnostic Center. Denise Preston.
4: Andrew Draper. Terry Mosley Jr. Sanjay Marshall.
3: Ashley
1: Hamilton. Sarah Berry. Brett Phillips.
4: Angel Lopez. Travis Barnes. Matthew Labonte. U.M.S. Graham.
0: Here at Within, as we work to shift the conversation on who is in prison, we've asked our guests and our hosts to freely share their perspective. The opinions expressed in this podcast are strictly those of the person who gave them.
1: Because we recorded this season virtually across so many sites, there's going to be moments where our sound quality is not as perfect as we wanted it to be. We'll ask for your understanding and let you know that we're always working to provide a wonderful listening experience.
2: The Man the motivator, and the legend. On November 10th, 2022, another stake was placed in the ground. Executive Director Dean Williams sits in the chapel of the Beacon at Skyline, a new model in corrections one would have never thought of, a correctional community. He sits with Dr. Ashley Hamilton, Andrew Draper, Terry Mosley Jr., and other Within teammates, DU Pi members, and one of the first audiences ever for a recording of Within. The audience is a revolutionary group of staff of the Beacon. It's quite the sight to see. Myself, Travis Barnes, William S. Graham, and Sean Marshall, we all joined virtually from our facilities. But please don't let the virtual distance fool you. We all were there sitting in that chapel where the new idea of corrections is taking place. And also where Dean announces that this time together will be our final interview with him. The final interview with him as the executive director to the Colorado Department of Corrections. Dean Williams announces his departure from his position, but not without revisiting some good conversations we've shared. In season one, we introduced the world to Dean Williams and to Within with the shift. And we sure didn't let the days of COVID separate us for far too long. We found each other again virtually on the way back. That was the kickoff of season two of Within. We've always wondered what does it mean to follow somebody into the fire? Andrew will walk through fire with Mr. Williams. He explains also what it takes to follow someone. I know for me, walking through fire is to be willing to get burned by radical ideas, radical love, also to trust. It's also to support. And it's also, and I think this is most important, to emerge on the other side stronger from the heat and closer together for the journey. So I ask all of you guys listening to this, what does walking through the fire mean to you? journey with us as a creative team as a community as a mission as we talk with dean
1: hello welcome to this recording of within we are coming to you from the beacon at skyline a correctional facility uh a correctional what am i saying a correctional community excuse me and i think it couldn't be more serendipitous are meaningful to be recording here at the beacon in the chapel today where we are uh, also joined by some of our beacon staff and we are welcoming uh, our guest for today executive director of the colorado department of corrections mr dean williams welcome welcome back dean
5: thank you it's uh good to be here um um for so many reasons so um yeah i'm just so excited to see what all of you have done and it's just uh it's been this podcast has been a great journey for me as well
1: yeah so we're going to um, I want to acknowledge that yesterday uh, you shared the news with the department of your upcoming departure you want to talk a little bit about what that news entailed
5: well this has been um, um, one of those probably most difficult decisions I've had to make in my life not only on a professional level but on a personal level, right, because um, you're right, I announced yesterday, as of this recording yesterday, that I was leaving my position as the Executive Director. Um, and there's reasons, there's a whole list of reasons, that I'm not sure all of them are totally interesting to you, but I'll, I'll just tell you that, um, and the, the, right out of the gate, let me just say this, is that it's hard to leave the thing that you love and the work that is being done. There's probably no more difficult decision than that to say that I'm going to leave the thing versus sort of trying to grab onto it and hang on to it for the very last minute or very last second. I just don't think that was the right decision for me to make. I think that I've done the work that I was meant to do in the four years that I've been here. Um, and I think that in order for it to grow um, yeah, I think maybe I've helped and been on the lead in terms of helping get us here, and not only the podcast, the newspaper, the radio station, the honor units, the seminary program, I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, but I think for me, I've, I've sort of run the good race. I hope I've run the good race. And um, there's an opportunity for sort of like, to get taken to the next level. Here's the last thing I'll say. Uh, around the decision. In this job, you, when you're sort of at the tip of the spear, you, uh, it has a, a personal toll on you a little bit, an emotional toll on you a little bit, but it also has a professional toll on you. And so you become seen as the person who's the, the, the renegade a bit. And for a while that's kinda cool to be considered the renegade, right? Um, but after a while, it, it starts to hurt, uh, to be honest with you. Mm. And so um, you start to get jaded in by the fact that you keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, and I don't want to be the guy who, um, who goes sideways a little bit around that. So, um, you know, you fight the good fight. Um, not everybody agrees with, we, I think we talked about this first time out, right? Not everybody agrees. That this thing should change, the corrections and the prison system in this country should change. I firmly do. I have not changed on that regard, but other people around you, um, and where they're going, um, maybe does. So for me, um, I'm. A, I mean, I have a, I'll have a little hold of my heart for a while about it. Um, but I have to tell you, this has been the best. This has been the biggest honor of my life, and the biggest blessing and the biggest honor is to see what has happened in the four years um, that I've been here.
1: Well, it is a great honor, Dean, to have you with us today, the day after your announcement, with only just a few weeks uh, left here of your time in the department. But we're just really honored to have you. Um, And for everyone listening, we are in person here with Mr. Williams, our producer, Terry Mosley, and our co-host and co-executive producer, Andrew Draper, and then virtually joined by our uh, other co-host, Denise Presson in Denver Women's, and the other part of our team in Denver Reception and Diagnostic Center, Sean Marshall, William S. Graham, and Travis Barnes. So with that, you actually kind of teed me up perfectly. Thank you, Mr. Williams. I want to just take a moment to acknowledge that this podcast uh, and this conversation wouldn't exist without your leadership. It would exist, the conversation would be existing, but never in this platform, and never with the ability to reach 100,000 listens on multiple platforms, 25 episodes, hundreds of guests, and original pieces of music and art and storytelling. You are the one that paved the way and gave us the yes for us to go on this adventure three and a half, almost four years ago, to embark on creating um, this form of storytelling in this art, our podcast within. So with that, I'm gonna hand it over to our producer Terry, and he is going to take us on a little journey through your time uh, with us on Within. You, uh, if you remember, our very first episode, episode one of Within is called The Shift, which was an interview with you and was actually one of the very first times we met. I think it was the second or third time we got to meet in person, and you joined us in the vault in the Denver Reception and Diagnostic Center, which is a room in the back of an admin building (laughs) uh, with no windows that we spent a lot of time in. Um, but that was our first episode. And then you joined us again uh, in season two for our first episode back, and you're here with us today. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Terry.
6: Thank you, Doc. So, you know,
1: I, it, this is all
6: about, let's just, you know, let's go through, let's, let's reflect, let's go back. And we wanted to title this moment, Through the Fire. It was based off of something that came up naturally when Andrew and Denise sat there for 20-30 minutes, we're sitting there going back and forth over and over again and it started a long time ago and we first interviewed, we were trying to calm our nerves and we were like, oh man, he's just a dude, He's he's just a guy, we got this, it's okay, you know we were trying not to be nervous and then came season two, the way back and Andrew shared something with Denise right after Denise reflected on everything that you said during that interview. And before we get going on that, I want to hearken to what I just said about, it's called Through the Fire. So go ahead and start this um, clip from the way back.
2: Oh my gosh, I just, Andrew, that was amazing. I can't, I cannot believe, I always find myself in awe of like Dean and being in his presence. Like even though we're doing this virtually, I felt like I was sitting right next to him. His heart shines through in all of his honesty and through his courage always to speak up about the things that impact him, the things that impact his staff and the impacts of the decisions that he does to keep people alive during a pandemic. And he doesn't shy from all the social incongruence of our country right now. I'm just inspired to continue carrying his message forward and also just to be a better human being.
0: You're right, Denise. I appreciate talking with Dean. You know, I appreciate him as a leader and his form of leadership. And you know, I don't see him as just a dude. You know, there are some people that you would follow through fire and I definitely would walk through it or into it with Mr. Williams because he is that guy. And so if you ask me if I trust, yeah, I trust him.
2: That's huge coming from you, Andrew. I think that's beautiful.
6: So right there, Dean, right there is a clip that, you know, inspired us to create this moment today. And it's about walking through the fire with someone. And we honestly truly believe that since day one, you know, you came in to educate, you participated, supported us, and you challenged us to to own parts of who we are, what we've done, and what we can do. And so um, I want to uh, try not to get emotional on this, and I want to play a couple more things because when we start to get into discussion, we want to talk about how you came in and how you basically gave us marching orders right out the gate. You gave us marching orders. You talked about our responsibility to change changing this system from the inside out and you talked about us that we're leaders you said you are a leader and you said that not just to us but to your staff you said if you're a resident or you your staff you're a leader you have something to offer you have something to change
5: i meet with um, any of you guys who are incarcerated ladies who are incarcerated um, i said look um, your job more so perhaps than anyone else is to help make the shift and to say, yeah, we're going to own it. So every time I meet with people I said it's about you changing helping me change this. I would challenge you that um, if you want it to change, then then all the stuff we're talking about, this podcast, all the stuff we're doing, that's on you. help me out. So I tell people whether or not you're working for the department or you're behind the walls, you're a leader one way or another, and you have something to offer, not only something to offer, but you have something to change.
6: So with those three things in mind, my question was, what is our responsibility, residents and CDOC staff, to being a leader, and how does that look today?
1: And I also want to maybe uh, just add to that question, Dean, Um, since we are reflecting really on your last four years today, if you can speak to why that was your charge, um, why you came in with that philosophy, and now looking back, sort of what you've learned about that charge.
5: Well, let me first of all say, like, you guys are killing me over here. (laughs) You're killing me because, you know, this this has been a hard decision for me to make. Anyhow, I couldn't be more proud about where we're at. This has all been very real for me as much as it's been real for you, Um, whether or not you live here or... You work here. I think, as I think I've said probably a hundred times, a thousand times to anyone who will listen, is that what we've gotten so profoundly wrong in this country around the men and women who end up in prison, who have made the worst mistake of their life, whether or not it's a success of ones or one big one, and now you're here, is that we've acted as if you don't have a role to play in it. The, the opposite is the truth. You have the most significant role. Nothing against my staff, who I love, but I have challenged you that you not only have to want it, you have to lead it. You have to want it more than we do. And so what I've reflected upon is, guess what? It's worked. It's happening.
3: Hmm.
5: Now, we're still holding the baby here. that We must be carried forth, right? But there's not been one time where I have gone to you to the men and women who live inside. Yeah, there's are an exception. We'll talk about the knuckleheads. We're not going to touch the knuckleheads. But the challenge of, of saying you must lead and be responsible for not just being here, but changing the system and having ownership of it, and when the chips are down, or when the staff don't understand or when you have a run into a difficult staff that's no excuse there must be a way forward that you believe more than we believe and you have to convince everyone around you who's wearing green who lives here everyone who's wearing blue who lives here and who's working here that you want it and so what i've seen over the last four years against dr hamilton to kind of answer your question is that i've seen that grow i've seen that take hold Every time I've said, men and women behind the walls, um, you're here. Yeah, I know it hasn't, you know, maybe this place is not what it should have been in the past, but now you have an opportunity to say yes or no. You said yes. And so um, what has been a huge blessing to me, what has been a gift to me, is to see how serious you are about it and see where you're taking it. But I'll just add this too. I am approaching a transition of departing from this job. What would provide me the most comfort, to be quite frank, is to know that this continues, that this is not about just me, thank you very much, but it's about it's about the mission going forward. And everyone around us says, yeah. Um,
6: yeah,
1: um, thank you for that, Dean. I think that there could be so no better example of quite literally this moment. We're sitting um, in, in the Beacon Chapel surrounded by, this is actually the first time we've ever had an audience for a podcast recording. So in a lot of ways, uh, I think we're sort of speaking your wish into existence in this moment. We have staff uh, sitting in this room listening in who have careers of 15, 20, 25 years in the department who have all applied and been selected to become part of a groundbreaking, uh, opportunity and possibility creating the beacon correctional community um and i hope that that gives you great comfort as you part in a few weeks that uh, we have been charged and um the the fire burns within us and um we're in he- we're here for the long game all of us so do you want to can i get yeah, back to you
6: I- I really posed that question for you guys. The question, I want to repeat it, but it is, what is our responsibility to being a leader, and how does that look today?
1: Denise, you want to get in there? That's
2: not an easy question to answer. (laughs) Uh, What does it mean to be a leader? I don't know, but I've had a good example shown to me. These last four years, he's shown that it's, uh, he, he totally rocked the system because it's always been like, just lock them up, throw them away, they don't exist, and he was like, he made us accountable and so i think that's what being a leader is is being accountable having those great ideas and then being able to work through them and uh no matter how many times you're told no continue trying continue finding the creative solutions that will get you to your end goal i think that's what being a leader is it's being some somebody people can look up to for all the right reasons and yeah being authentic to who you are, and that's one thing that I always go back with. Uh, with Dean, is he was never afraid to say who he was through all of this. That he loved the theater. That he is a a God fearing man. That he he loves people, and he might be willing to have dinner with Andrew at his house. <laughs> I, I still want to clear this up. I'm, I'm just
5: yeah, yeah, I'm He's please go. I want Andrew Draper to sit quietly. <laughs>
3: Which I know actually
5: might be a complete challenge for him I'm I'm, I'm making one request Uh, I'm asking for a lot of favors as I transition out and this is one of them right now so if anyone was listening to the first episode Andrew made um, I was he asked me a question I made some comment and I made some statement to the effect of well yeah this and that but I'm probably not going to have you over for dinner In my house right and andrew has used that (laughs) to 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 my demise right and he has thrown this out to me almost every time he sees me well not almost every time but it seems like it and so i want to clarify the record right now first of all it's something i said i wish i had never said because i i know the way he was teasing me about it and joking with me about it but (laughs) What I really meant to clarify the record was that in this role, um, there's this tension of being real and caring about people and loving people, including my staff, and knowing that you're the boss at the same time. And there's a tension in caring about things and having a professional distance and having an opportunity to being involved in people's lives. And here's what changes when you're involved in people's lives. You care about each other. And you know what has not existed in the prison system? Is that we haven't cared about each other. And, and what has been wrong, and what I have challenged you guys, I, I go around and challenge the other guys around, around the seminary programs. What are you guys praying about today? Who are you praying for today? If you're not praying for the staff, then get out of here. Get out of here, right? Because um, if you're not about breaking down the walls and building up mutual regard for each other and care for each other, then no change happens.
3: Mm.
5: Nothing's going to happen. It's all going to be. It'll all be viewed as false. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it makes me emotional talking about it because, because this has been the mission I've been on as a man of man of faith, right? God doesn't care about me uh, caring about the people who are easy to care about mm. that has never been the calling the christian of the Christian faith he's about reaching out to where is the reward I mean I'm going to butcher scripture where is the reward about caring and liking people that you like or that are easy, or that you have all the things in common with so to bring a kind of full circle. Um, what I meant, what I really meant, and, and Andrew, I'm teasing him a little bit back, because he deserves every bit of it. <laughs> is that, is that um, what I meant is, and by the way, I would yeah. have you over for dinner, but the deal is, is that um, when you're in this role, you have a, a tremendous opportunity to care about people and love people, and yet you have a responsibility in that not to be a whack, you know, not to be a whack-a-doodle, to go run around and be uncentered and to not care. And what I've tried to teach my, my leadership team is like, um, we have to care about each other.
3: Mm.
5: And, you know, by the way, um, people should care about, people should care about you. But if you're not learning, if, you're, if part of the journey of your own redemption is not to learn, is, you're not learning around about what it means to care about others or to love other people, then what are we doing with you? They're like, what are we, what's, the, what's the point of it? Mm. They know if you just put you in a box and not talk to you and not do any of that. Mm. So prison should not be that, right? Prison should not be another place where other trauma is it, it's done on both the people who work there and the people who live there. So that's where the mutual regard and the mutual responsibility breaks out. If you don't want to be traumatized being in prison, then go do something. And you're doing it, right? That's what's encouraging to me. And so when I see the staff, I said, really, do you, you, you just love your job so much the way it's been. This is so good for you. Why do you think correction officers die five or ten years before everybody else in this country? Like, it's so good that you're dying earlier. So when sometimes the criticism, I'm kind of going off a little bit, but sometimes when the criticism is like, well, you should care more about the more about the staff than you do about the people. In custody. I mean, don't you understand the, the, the mutual connection there? Hmm. Don't you understand that you can't move one without the other? That it's not about who cares more about who or what, who's the favorite child or something. It's much bigger than that. And so it's frustrating to me because, like, I've cried many a tear with many staff. The staff the officer who lost his life to COVID on the first day of his retirement, staying at the gravesite with that family. So there's a lot at stake in this, in this division that has been created in these prisons that you don't you know, we don't see you, the people incarcerated, and the incarcerated men and women don't see us. But there has to be a better way forward. There just has to be. But I'm at peace. Because um, now you all, both the men and women who are working here with us today as our little guest audience, um, I'm at peace because they care now more than I care. You all care. If you're living inside, not not everybody, but many of you do. Many of you do now. And um, that's a great encouragement.
1: So maybe just to to take that, I want to answer this question really quick, Terry, and then I want to hand it back to you. Going off of that, I think I believe that as leaders, our role is the care piece, to see each other as human, fully human, whether you're in green or blue, whether you um, are on the left or the right, uh, that our work here is to um, care for each other across distance, and across difference. And I think you have charged us so beautifully with that in the last four years. And there's a lot to show for that. There have been a lot of moments where that care has been able to break through.
2: Yeah, I just wish everybody could see the angle I see. I see Andrew sitting on one side of a table and I see Mr. Williams on the other side. And it made me think of, do you feel like in this moment that we are now getting out of our own way that we have let this culture passively happen for so long and so much harm has come from it as you said like we have passively let this happen and so now with this charge and these boots on the ground and we're really ready to do the work do you feel like we have now gotten out of our own way that we can rise to the leadership that we need inside
5: well I don't know about you personally but me I am never completely out of my own way no matter how much I, <laughs> think I have matured like, like, I can, I can get Stuck over the most stupid things, I mean, honestly. I can really, truly um, develop a, an obsession about something that I should have done better or worry about something that really, at the end of the day, just does not matter. But I can get in front of my way all the time. Ask my wife. Um, <laughs> but one of the good lessons about caring for people or loving someone is this, written by very smart people and also another faith-based things. It's not about the way I feel about anything today. To my actions today in spite of how I feel about things today. Because my feelings are just a part of me. They are not me. They're not everything about me. And until you mature, you get ruled by the passions of the day which you might have. So, to sort of kind of go to Denise's question, I think we're always going to be in our way to a certain degree. But I think that the challenge will be, no matter... Who my successor is, or who comes after me, or who comes after my deputies, or my director of prisons, or how many years this takes, right? Is that we now know what we now know this is the way. I would say the, the responsibility has changed. The responsibility has changed. And the it's just not good enough anymore to sit passively. It's not good enough, it's not acceptable, and so I think that's the bigger challenge, denise. It's not just the it's not the fact that we're gonna arrive to be a better process, but the the passivity is the enemy, not the um For not sure we're not we're perfect on the journey.
1: uh I'm so enjoying this conversation, and I wanna pause time. i wait, sorry. I'm aware we can't do that, and that we don't have the whole day. So, maybe we'll move on to the next section. Or what? Have we taken too sharp of a left?
6: Well, I mean, no. You know, Dean does that thing where he answers uh, part of. You can you can prepare for him all day long, and then he'll end up answering a part of or a section of what you had planned. So I definitely, I had a plan to take us down, take us back to, again, season one. When you, you talked about leaving the island, it was so inspirational. I remember I, I didn't even have to, like, search for the, the, the memory. I just had to search for the parts where you had said it. And um, so let's listen to some of those things, because it, it started from a question that Doc posed you. And she's going to ask you again today. I know it. So let's just go ahead and listen real quick.
1: My last question for you is in 15 years from now, um, what do you hope our prison system looks like?
5: Well, I, I'm really mindful of, of trajectory and I'm really mindful of where we go. If I'm not here, uh, where we go if governor Polis is in here. Um, and this doesn't become flush in the pan issue. And so, a lot of the prior questions you asked me about, well, how do you change the the on-the-ground-level floor, you know, Andrew's asking about earlier, um, I take all those things really seriously because um, um, a lot of that is setting a course that here's where the ship is sailing. Now, that doesn't mean we can't take a detour, let's avoid the rocks, let's go in, but we're going here um, and we're not going to stay on the island we were on that we have another place to go and I want it to be different so when I come back in 15 years and I uh, do we have a reunion? I don't know, we should plan that now? we <laughs> I, I've made, I we'll have get been, it on the calendar I've made like one high school reunion in my entire <laughs> life Not so I'm not very reliable in this regard but um,
1: We'll hold you to it. Yeah. But, no, but,
5: uh, but the, in 15 years, it should be different, and the trajectory should be different. Norway, Germany, those countries haven't said, well, we got it all together now. We got it all figured out. They're incredibly self-critical, and self-evaluating, and reflective about it. The problems with prison systems and closed systems sometimes, we become f- afraid of a question of what's not working and why is it not working. And so I would... Um, I'm hoping I leave a department that is reflective, that is open to a whole bunch of other people coming in saying, "Hey, I got an idea." Now, some of those ideas you may say that's nuts. We're not we're not doing that, but but I want to be. I want reflection on that. I want I want. So, I have some ideas about where I think we should be in a couple of years. I should walk in. I should see different environments. I should see interactions. And they're occurring now, by the way, because we have really good staff who have been waiting for, you know, I watch staff all the time interact with inmate population, by the way. It's my little secret thing to say. How they would how they handle you? What they say to you? Was that respectful? Was it good? A lot of that occurs in this department. But um, I want, I want a course to say this is kind of where we're going to, that this is going to mean something no matter who's in the job. And if you read any of these sort of leadership books, um, one that comes to mind, good to great, um, it's interesting because the most permanent changes are not based upon the leader. They're based upon a whole bunch of other people who are helping that leader.
1: So we recorded that three and a half years ago. Curious, just reflections and hearing that. Um,
5: I totally forgot I totally forgot it totally forgot that that was yeah, even part of that interview um, it's interesting because that I, um, I, you know this staff here at beacon i um, I walked in and they all know I'm leaving and they're all like like hanging around like going like that, I don't know what they're thinking or thinking that poor sucker or good for him or I don't, I don't, I, don't
3: know,
5: I don't know what they're thinking or like good for him he's out of here or thank god he's out of here or I don't know or like I wonder if the guy had anything to but no that's exactly right it it, it should not be it should not be about well uh, it's kind of fun to be called the red and director but that's not right i mean I am am the renegade director in many ways, but if the renegade director can't get anyone else around him to say, yeah, we want that, we want that too, then maybe it is just about the renegade director. I don't want it to be about me just the renegade director. I know that I've been the renegade director because I've said, no, that's not working. Let's just be honest. Then I go to my staff and I say, anybody else think that's working? Nope. I go to you guys and people behind the walls. You think that's working? No, it's not working. Well, then now we can start. Now we have some place to start, but I don't want it to be about me. And and in some ways, as painful as it is, because I've, I like being in this job. I've liked leading here. I've liked, you know, being able to help shape a course. But I also know it's not about me, too. But the way I thought about that then, I feel that way ten times more now.
3: Mm.
0: But it is a journey, right? And I think that we've made the uh, difficult choices already as far as to what you said earlier. We do want it to be different because what, what has been has not worked. We recognize that. We recognize that we have to we have to live differently. We have to interact differently. We have to be differently. We have to exist differently. Because our existence, regardless if we're in prison or not, and what I mean by we, I mean the staff too because they're here too. Regardless if we're in prison or not, we're not just tucked off in some small corner of the state. What's happening here, This is we're in the human business. This is the human business. This is the business of caring for people. And people will get out of prison. They're not gonna stay here forever. Everyone doesn't stay here forever. So the things that happen behind these walls are very important because those people are returning back to the streets. And the way they impact other people that they're going to meet in their futures is directly connected to what we're doing here. And one thing that I notice, and I, I've taken measured steps to actually look at this when it happens, because it, sadly it happens, is when someone gets out of prison and they do something crazy and we see it on the news. It's like, damn, you know? Because we're fighting for that not to happen. But we know that it does happen And that's something that we don't want to happen. We don't want people to get out of prison and kill people and rape people and steal and do all kinds of craziness. That's not a goal. And so I think that that's because people are people. People are complex. We know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. And in those moments, I think we just have to take the time to care for one another and to see you know, and that's, it, it doesn't matter if it's a staff person or not. If a, if, they're, if a person is having a problem, if a person's having a bad day, if a person's uh, having complex emotions, whatever that looks like, we it's our responsibility to say, are you okay? And actually mean, mean, mean it when you ask that question. Really care about the answer and really invest in the other person. Really invest in that other human being.
2: You're right, Andrew, and it does. And I was, I was thinking about so many things, like I was thinking about my night last night. I had a duty officer come pull me out of the unit. He goes, Preston, I'm going to try something different tonight. I went to see a, a girl who was on suicide watch inside a cell. And I'm going to get emotional as I retell this, is because before you, Dean, something like that wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have been able to be in the space to go to her and talk to her And for five minutes, she had some comfort in her life. And then also for him to go, I'm trying something different. Did he as a leader not feel like that was possible inside this facility until your reign here or your um, direction here? And so to be part of that, to feel that, to be in that space and time to actually actively care about somebody else because somebody else gave me the approval to, it was freeing. It changed me. I am forever changed because of what I experienced last night. And until you give people opportunity, what you are doing, what you have done and what you will continue to do in your life's work. And so I'm trying to get everyone listening. Like we all have an opportunity to give somebody else an opportunity to stand up for what's right and for what's true. And until people are brave enough and courageous enough, call them a renegade if you need to, until you're courageous enough to go, yes, there is a problem and how do we fix it? And let's be, conscious about it to one another, uh, we will continue to have issues. And yes, Andrew, you're right. People that get out of prison and re-harm and re-offend, it hurts all of us. And we don't, those people that think that we don't deserve opportunity, I think that they're missing the point. Opportunity gives a chance for people to show up as their true selves. And if you're not giving them an opportunity to do that, then they can't. And it might not always be the good stuff. Right, but we have to get to a place as human beings to go. There is always a fifty-fifty chance that harm will come of this, but at least give them an opportunity to
6: try. You know, um, that's that leads to the next part, Doc. But um, it's it's basically, you know, we're getting ready to go into legacy and and, and what that means, and, and to wrap this up. This is the, the last part of it, and um, I want to play. Some very, you know, perfect like clips for this. But as we wrap it up, I, I want to give you a chance. I'm sorry. But I want to harken back to something you said, Dean. When we started this season, you had talked about what does it look like to tackle the tough subjects, right? And you encouraged us in season two. Like, you know, you said, look, in season one, you did it. You know, keep going that way, keep telling these stories. But also, re ask that question of what it means to forgive yourself. Or, or maybe you you know you're not going to be forgiven, but what what is your responsibility? What can you do now? And I wanna I wanna go back to those clips, and I wanna play that real quick. And because you talked about the journey earlier, like I said, he he does this thing where he answers the question <laughs> before we get to it. So let's let's go back to that real quick. I can
5: do everything I can from the job that I hold now by saying that prison must be different than the way that it has been in this country i can explain to people on the outside about why making prison a place of punishment as i mentioned maybe in season one is the wrong thing the punishment is the loss of your freedom not the loss of human dignity not should not be the loss of responsibility and ever increasing privilege and responsibility as you show that you. So I can change that conversation to say, you know, prison hasn't worked for our country the way that we want it to work. And all you have to do is take a look around the world and see that if we do it differently, things get better. But here's the key. You have to want it so bad that this place can be different, The things should be more normal than what they are. I don't want prison to be a place where we think that the job is to punish you. The job is the job is restoration. That's the reason why I want you to own it. That's the reason I want you to have responsibility. And if you if you blow that responsibility by making a small mistake or something happens, that's one thing. But I have to give you responsibility and ownership because the benefit is so much greater if you lead other men and women who you're living with. Continue the journey of telling the stories, but Here's a question that I think you asked in season one, but I hope you get to ask in season two. Is like, can I be forgiven? What if I'm not forgiven by the people that I've hurt? What is still my responsibility? If the answer's like, no, I just can't forgive you right now. What is your responsibility if you're living there? And how do you give back? So you're giving back by, by doing season two of the podcast, yeah? Uh, but finding those individuals to tell the story of, And you told some of those stories, like how guys got involved in games. I learned something in that that episode. So I hope you help continue to educate, tell the stories, and find places where redemption breaks out. Listen to me, it's not just people behind the walls that are asking these questions, can I be forgiven for the things that that I regret, right? You have a more profound voice in some ways because the thing that landed you there you have somebody that you have hurt in a a big way, in a profound way, in a way that may not be forgivable for them, that's their business about whether or not they can and should and will and want to forgive. That's their journey. Your journey is to decide um, whether or not that event, and I know these are questions you ask yourself every day if you live there, is that event though still the thing that is going to rule my life, right? So part of it is, is how do you own it? And then also, what do you do to take responsibility for the rest of your life?
6: So that leads us to this, we're talking about the journey, we're going through it, you know, and the legacy is, is important to us. This It's about taking everything that we've learned from you, Dean, and, and, and what does it mean to infuse that into ourselves as we keep going. With you by our, you know, our side. Maybe not at the top but no more, but by our side. It's all about um, where are we today? What has shaped us? Um, what is here now? What is this moment? And what will your legacy be?
5: You know, for um, for the entire time I've been here, I. I haven't really thought about the legacy issue. Just, I mean, just haven't. I just haven't really. I haven't worried about it, um, but it sort of changes now a little bit. I have to say, have to admit to myself, it changes a little bit now that I've sort of officially announced and I, I won't have this chapter. You know, I won't have this chapter again. I'm closing a door on something while other doors open, um, and I know that. And believe me, I, I. I I got all the feels about it, right? (laughs) Um, and we all do because we're saying goodbye to something that we had in hopes of something else um, going forth, right? So I won't be at the top of the the food chain, as they say, anymore, Um, and I mean the legacy I guess though for me to get to it is that um, I will come back some particular time. Um, that I'm certain. Uh, I will come back in a, a year or two to check in to see what's happened. And if the, if the legacy is is that people are continuing to learn how to care about what happens here,
3: mm.
5: even if it takes the rest of the people outside, and people sitting in Canyon City and Colorado Springs and Pueblo and all the places around in Denver, if they don't quite get it yet, um, that's I wouldn't sweat it. I wouldn't sweat it. It's going to take a while, but if I continue to see um, when I come back and go, um, what have you done? What have you done here? And there will be obstacles. Don't 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 sweat it. Don't don't worry about it. So for me, the legacy issues. Is do I come back? And do I come back and I see a place that looks a little bit more like it is right now? Looks a little bit more like. Um, humanity, caring, compassion, responsibility, full-on responsibility. You know, all of that, accountability. I told you I started the mission off with Justin. With I, I've told the story a hundred times about uh, a lowly native woman praying for me to say, "You, sir, dear God, may God find a way for you." And I'm like, whatever. And I'm like, it changed my life because. One moment, one moment of reflection can change everything it changed the entire entire course of the trajectory of my life because I just realized i could I could not ignore what was given to me and the opportunity to make a change so I hope the legacy is that y'all I come back and you're all still struggling and you're all getting it right most of the time but banging it up a little bit here and there, but that it's real and that, and that I see that that you go forth and prosper and... But when I walk into other prison system, prisons around the state, if I do, if I get more than one spot, um, is do I see men shaking their hands off of all the other officers as I walk around the the prison, saying, mm-hmm. thank you for being here, how's your... I, I know staff is shortage. I you know you have this, you know, you've worked a couple double shifts. I just want to thank you, officer, for being here.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: I want to, I want those lines broken. I want, you know? I want my officers saying, hey, what about your family? When's the last time you had a family visit? How's that going with your mm-hmm. brother? How's that going with your mom, your dad, your sister? Are they doing better? Hope so. Okay, talk to you later. Do you know what I mean? For me? That would be a
1: huge legacy. Ooh, this is such a hard one. (laughs) For me, a lot of what has driven my passion in this work and my perseverance in this work is just this feeling in my heart, in my soul, that uh, we, what we've done, how we've been, tackling this question of justice and harm and responsibility and healing, it hasn't been enough. Um, That we are better than what we have created in the past. Um, That we, as humans, have the ability to create something grander, a different way of being, Um, maybe even building on other ways of being that other communities throughout history have been. But what we have built in the criminal justice system in America just um, has never settled in my soul. I feel unsettled about it. And so I have been sort of on this um, quest to use the arts, to use storytelling, to use community, to use healing, relationship, connection, to create and build another possibility, another way forward. And um, I keep having this memory that comes to mind and I was telling uh, when we were prepping for this podcast, uh, this interview the other day, I I told the guys about it uh, and Denise and um, I wanna just remind you of it as sort of a closing thought. The very first thing you ever said to me, I think I've told you this, uh, was almost four years ago, we were standing in the Denver Women's Visiting Room And you walked up to me and I introduced myself and I was so nervous to meet you and so excited. Um, And I barely said hello and you looked me right in the eye and you shook my hand and you said, I wish that we could tear them all down and start over. That was the first thing you ever said to me. And in so many ways, you know, I'm, we're sitting here in the beacon, and you know, we haven't necessarily torn down physically the structure that we're in. Uh, we've definitely done a damn good job renovating um, it, but we have torn something else down in the last three and a half or four years. We've been changing the culture from the inside, and we have been on this quest now together. It's not just me or you, it's all of us. So in terms of legacy, um, we're in this for the long game. We will all, not to be morbid about it, but pass from this life, and this will still be an issue that needs to continue to be worked on. Um, And I think it's the greatest honor of a lifetime to get to do this work and to be aware we may never, to know we're not going to solve it, but that it's the good work, and it's definitely what I'm called here to do so with that Dean we're gonna give you the last word Um, anything you would like to say you haven't gotten to say closing word to uh, well for now in this way to residents across the state of Colorado to staff across the Colorado Department of Corrections to the public anything
5: well I um am Well, let me start here and then get there. I, um, this truly has been the honor of a lifetime um, to lead this department. That's, I've said that earlier on, but it's true. Because the wake of what can be done here is not only impacting the men and women who live and work here, but the families of the men and women who live and work here, the good people in Canyon City, the good people in Pueblo, Colorado Springs. This work is so important because um, what, and you've all said that Andrew used it earlier, what happens here really matters, it matters um, in this space. There is no arrival destination that we get there and say, well, now we've arrived. What I love about other states and other countries that are behind that are ahead of us a little bit, is they've, oh, they've never said they've arrived. It's never been about arriving at a destination. It's been about the journey. Too much, hear me, listen to me, because I know something about this. Part of the problem, even in my own life, in a life and about systems like this, is that we've always been worried about the destination all the time or the next thing. My father, who had an eighth-grade education, I guess was not such a dummy after all. He said... Dame people are always getting ready to live. Always getting ready to live. Like, gee, let me think about that a minute. Yeah, they're always getting ready to live for the next thing, for the next place. I'm not I'm not waiting for the next thing to happen once I leave this job. Like, this is going to be so great because that wasn't so... No, I'm, I, I've known the first day I took this job. And all of you, or whatever you're not, you work here, whatever your position is... Whether or not you live here, whether or not you're due to get out soon or not get out soon, is that um, man? I guess my guess, my old man was not so dumb after all, because he said, you know, you've got you've got this day, right? You've got this day to do something, um, and um, I would say, maybe my parting thought is that. Um, we each have this day, right now, today, to do one good thing, to move the dial one more step. Mm-hmm. And they'll have one more day after that to do after, you know, do the, the next thing. And I wouldn't worry about where, um, you know, about I, I can't wait until this or I can't wait until that. I think that's just a lie from the pit of hell. I can't wait until this happens, I can't wait until that happens, I can't wait until we get there. Um, because I'm not sure what getting there is. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know, that reading the brass ring, you ever hear that story about, or the little story about, I, I, I won the brass ring, or I, I, I got the brass ring? You know, the brass ring where that whole story was based upon that if you were riding the ferris, the, the, the merry-go-round, right? And you reached out far enough, you would grab the brass ring, uh, this is all true by the way Google it if you, re- if you reached out and grabbed the brass ring it would give you another ride on the merry-go-round that's all the brass ring got you was one more ride on the merry-go-round you know um, so I, I guess my encouragement would be just keep figuring out what the next good thing to do is what the next right thing to do is what the next difficult thing to do is I don't know what that will look like for you because I won't be here. And oh, by the way, I don't need to be here. You'll figure it out. Figure out what the next good thing to do is. Figure out what the next best thing to do is. And in that regard, uh, I think I've, I've left you all in good hands with each other. Um, because mm-hmm. now, now that's the expectation for you more than it is for me. and. Uh, Maybe I'll consider that, maybe I will consider that the win, is that you want it more than, you really do want it more than I do.
1: Dean, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your vision. And uh, thank you for being you.
3: Well,
5: Godspeed. Godspeed.
3: Ooh. Okay.
2: Dean says this, and I believe it's worth repeating. I think he said it in the way back. We will be different after this meeting. It may not be profound, but I will know you and you will know me. When he said that, i it was like an aha moment of you're right. When we take the chance or the time to just sit and listen to one another, we become known to each other. And in that, there is a sense of caring. I think if we all spend a little bit more time getting to know one each other, Maybe not on some profound level. Maybe just having a real conversation. I know Andrew says it all the time, you know? When you stop to ask somebody how your day is, mean it, take that time to get that answer. Invest in them in those few moments because there is a moment in time when you have to take advantage of what's in front of you. Here's a few of my thoughts on Dean Williams as I leave knowing this man that held such power in such a place. He not only made us accountable for ourselves and the things that we do in the world we live in, he saw us, he saw us as full, complex human beings, capable of many things. He knows there's no easy answers to harm, but he also knows that until we address the problems that we continue to face, things won't change. And as a leader, I know he will continue to leave his mark, add more stakes in the ground of change for a better world.
1: For within season two, we have our resident poet, William S. Graham, from the Denver Reception and Diagnostic Center, back with us in the virtual room. In all of our interviews, Will sits, listens, and then crafts an individualized poem for each interview. Here's Will.
4: Brighten up the dark. A hidden journey within. Holding change in one hand, grasping the future in the next departing with a complex heart, fighting through all the unspoken regrets, fighting through the vexed ideologies, where the soul guides you to travel, where legacy helps you unravel, beyond the fence, beyond your mistakes, beyond the gavel. Surely, we are all judged by our growing sense of truth, like a light of pain, created by a light of grace. We all felt the warm embrace and afraid to say, I care for you And no matter your mistakes, you have a place A place in our hearts A safe place that says, you are not alone We've seen your smiling face More than some of our own family members at home Saying, don't forget to have faith And remember who you are We all say thank you from the pit of our souls Truly, from the bottom of our hearts, your legacy has brightened up the dark. Forever, you are the Ark.
6: For more content, music, poetry, and visual art, look deeper within at thisiswithin.com.
0: Within is...
1: Ashley Hamilton, Executive Producer. Andrew Draper, Co-host. Denise Presson, Co-host. Terry Mosley, producer. Angel Lopez, media production and creative support. William S. Graham, Denver Complex creative consultant. Sean Marshall, associate producer. Travis Barnes, creative music producer. Sarah Berry, associate producer. Matthew Labonte, segment co-host. Brett Phillips, segment co-host.
0: Within is a collaboration between the University of Denver Prison Arts Initiative and the Colorado Department of Corrections.
6: Thank you for listening and choosing to look within.
3: When you seen the distance, did you see the sights? Would you be the difference? How high would you climb? How far would you go below? Steps of space. When we get to the other side, will you meet us there?